Well, welcome back to our next week, week two in our preaching series on looking at the seven messages to the church found in Revelation, found in Revelation chapter two and chapter three. Each week we're going to be just delving into what uh, what prophetic message was given to the church through Revelation, but how it speaks into our lives, our situation that we find ourselves as a church and as individuals. We know that, that w- when the Bible speaks about the church, it's not the building. It's not just the leadership. It's not just the elders. It's not just... It's all of the people who make up the church. That's who we are. And, and when, when the Bible speaks of the church and what it means, how we should behave, what we should do, what are the challenges for us, what are the positive things... While it's speaking to the church at the time that it was written, it also transcends time and speaks to us today. And it's not about the church that is another church over the road. It's not about a church that's a different denomination. It's about the church that we're a part of. This is speaking to you and me in this space and in this time. It's important for us to hear the message that is being said to us through the Bible, through Revelation, what is you know, probably one of the least preached on parts of, of the Bible. And the, 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 the reason being is that people find it difficult, people find it confronting, people don't know where to actually go. But these messages to the church speak to us personally now, and it's important for us to actually hear this message. So last week, in our first uh, message in this series, we, we were focusing on the church at Ephesus, And this week we actually move slightly north up to the church of Smyrna. And Smyrna is actually one of these places where uh, it's on the coast. Again, it's on the coast in the same kind of area that we we find um, Ephesus. Um, And the, the thing is that Smyrna was actually an incredibly beautiful city. It was often said to have been the, um, the ornament of Asia or the crown of Asia or sometimes the flower of Asia. That's the kind of language that we're using for that city, that location where we find this church. Um, and the city was actually one of these interesting cities because it was one of the only cities in the area that was, that was actually designed off a grid pattern. They actually planned the city before they built it which is an interesting thing because most of the cities in the time that we're talking about actually happen haphazard. You know, you've got little streets that run around and people find bits of land and build on it and do this. This city was planned. This city had a port. This city had trade. This city was important. This city was actually, interestingly, a free city. If you think about the Roman times when this was actually written, when the... um, that they were not a city that had been conquered. They were a free city. And, and part of that, being free, meant that they had aligned themselves with Rome and aligned themselves with the gods of Rome and all of that had happened with that. But in the city of Smyrna, there was also a really large population of Jews there. And this is where we find the message being talked into, into this city, that is cosmopolitan, that has numerous religions vying for people's attention, that has um, the Jewish faith there, that has the Roman gods there, that has population that's trading in, 
in, in precious spices. Um, and, and it's really significant that we actually need to understand that this is, this is so important for us. It's, it's, it's thought that the church that was, that was planted there, um, while it's not biblically written down who planted it, it's thought that Paul or one of his disciples that followed after him was actually the people that planted the church in Smyrna. Um, but there's no actual direct evidence found in the Bible. And as, as we read through the book of Revelation, what we will actually find as we read through the book of Revelation is that there's an ongoing theme that flows through that, and this is about persecution and trials. And the, written, the letter that is written to the church in Smyrna that is actually offering support and encouragement in the time of persecution, in the time of trials, and gives praise to Smyrna for this. It's interesting because of the seven churches that are, have letters written to them, that have messages given to them, only two had praise given to them. It was Smyrna and Philadelphia. All the rest had some praise and support for what they were doing, but also had some correction about issues and problems that they had. So here we have a church that is persecuted but being praised. So let's hear again from um, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And it says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who was dead and now is alive. So this is the message from Jesus Christ. This is what it's actually saying. Jesus is the first, right at the beginning, and we think about John's gospel and how he was the word and the word was at the beginning. We remember all of that. That's part of our remembrance of what it means. This is, a, this is about Jesus speaking to this church. And what does Jesus say? He says, I know about your suffering and your poverty. You are rich. I know the blaspheme of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear, must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. This is really, this is big, <laughs> big stuff, powerful stuff, but it's important for us to hear this because this is about the persecution of the church in Smyrna. And, and there are four areas that are mentioned here, four areas of persecution that this church is facing. And this is four areas that we also face persecution when we are a church as, and, and when we are living and our faith. And it's important for us to kind of just delve into it and tap into this so that we can understand for ourselves what this means for us. So the first is, is the first persecution that the church in Smyrna, so the people of the church, this is about the people, are experiencing is suffering or affliction. Suffering and affliction. And it's interesting, a little side note for you. If you think about the, the, the words that are used to describe affliction here, it's, it's undergoing great pressure 
That's actually what affliction is kind of meaning. But he, and we can kind of translate that into suffering as well. But here we have suffering, you know. And, and the thing is, whenever I read about suffering, and I, I gather you will do that as well as you read it, but when you read about suffering, our minds immediately actually move to personalising that suffering. What, what I mean by this is that, that we place our own experiences into the passage that we read. We, we take, how have I suffered? And we kind of try and translate it into the passage to understand how those who might have been reading it, we, we personalise it for ourselves so we can actually ex- experience and understand it is. But see, that some of us have suffered much over our lives and others haven't suffered very much at all. And, and, and for those who have suffered will understand what it means to when God says that God sees your suffering and you'll be given the crown of life. You'll be life eternal because of what's happened to you, not because you have suffered, but because Christ has come, has died for you and forgiven your sins, and you have restoration back in there. But we have not, in the process of the suffering that we've gone through, put aside our faith and love of Christ. See, this is a promise for us. There is eternal life for us that follow Jesus Christ. And it's a promise that happens even if we are suffering, even if we are facing suffering in our life. But I want to say this. We live in the first world. We live in a rich society. Um, We live in a society where there is very little suffering. Um, Probably our greatest suffering at the moment is that we're going through ongoing lockdown here in Sydney. And we can't do the things that we, we want to do. We can't go and see the people we want to go and see. We can't... You know, there are people who are suffering because of this, because they can't work, they, can't, they don't, haven't got enough money, they can't feed themselves. There is real suffering here. And it's important for us to actually understand that. We feel the pressure. We feel the pressure that we are sitting in this, in this time of lockdown, of, of sitting in the, this time when we may have financial pressures when we may have social pressures on, when we may have mental health issues weighing upon us. We feel the isolation because of lockdown. The thing for us as a church is that the the biggest pressure that we have is that we can't do church in the way that we used to. We can't do church where we've got people in the building. We can't do church when we are together and we worship together, we support one another you know, in the same physical space. This is probably the biggest pressure that we face here in the church. But see, the thing is, what was it that was the message for the church in Smyrna? Even though you may be suffering, even though you may have affliction on you, even though you may have pressure upon you, you are still rich. You have still got more than all of those people around them. They are rich because of their faith in Christ, because of the love that they have kept holding on to. If we went back to last week's message about the church in Ephesus, they were doing really well. They were fantastic. They had lots going on, but they had forgotten their first love. 
which was Christ. The church at Smyrna had not forgotten the first love. They had remembered that and they were still being persecuted for this. They were suffering because of this. The second thing that we know about the persecution of the church in Smyrna is that they, that Jesus saw their poverty. They saw their lack of wealth. The issue that they had was not being able to look after themselves as much because of, of the way they'd been treated. Smyrna was a, was, was a really wealthy city um, in the region. Uh, but the Christians who lived amongst them in Smyrna, they were actually incredibly impoverished people. They were very, very poor. And we know from, from Christian history that often when people became Christians, what would happen is that this would often lead them into poverty. So they chose Christ. They chose life everlasting. They chose to live the life to the full Christ was giving them, but what would happen is that they would end up in poverty. And here's the reason for it. Often they would lose their job, their livelihood they had because of their choice to follow Christ. And people would stop trading with them because they wouldn't offer sacrifices to the gods of that, that trade. You know, so, so you know how I said the the church in Smyrna was a free church, but it aligned itself to the Roman, to Rome. That meant that in order to do trade, you had to recognise and give sacrifice to the Roman gods for those particular areas of trade that you had. So when these Christians said, no, I don't sacrifice to a, a graven image, I don't hold up an image other than the Lord Almighty, other than Christ crucified, I don't hold that up and I don't sacrifice to any of those. They lost their career. They lost their livelihoods because of their faith. They chose to follow Christ in all these things. And what would happen is that also that when people found out that they were Christians, they would come in and they would plunder their possessions. They would take stuff away from them. And some people even quit their jobs because their jobs were considered sinful. And so they were convicted of, of their behaviour, of their livelihood, of their change, and they chose this. They chose to follow Christ even though they knew they would end up in poverty. And this is the church in Smyrna. Now, you flip this on the head when we come to our, our Christian world that um, we live in now, in our Western culture in Australia, here in, in Cronulla, which is a beachside suburb, you know, and we've got multi-million dollar homes around us, all these kind of things. We are wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. You know, the church here is wealthy. The people here are wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. And yet, what do we do with our wealth? Does it bring the good news of Jesus Christ to, to the world around us? Does it help us to do these things? And these are the challenges that Christ put in front of us as the church. This is a challenge for us when we think about how we, how we use our wealth, how we use our power, how we use our influence, how we use our stature, how we use our resources that we have. What do we do? And you may remember 
Christ saying this to those he said that were good and faithful servants, that had followed him and helped him and served him along the way. Do we use our wealth to, to feed the hungry? Do we use our wealth to provide drink to those who are thirsty? Do we use our wealth to provide hospitality to those who have nowhere to go? Do we help clothe those who are naked? Do we look after those who are sick? And, and do we visit those who are prisoned? And prisoners of all kinds. You know, we, we, when we think about being prisoners, we think about those being jailed. And we're actually going to talk about that in just a second, but I want to expand that out for, for us and what it means to, to visit those who are prison. Maybe, maybe it might be somebody that's not doing well and they're trapped by their circumstances. Do we help them in that space? Do we go and free them from that prison that they've found themselves in? This is important for us as a church who, by all stretches of imagination, is hugely wealthy. And the fact that I can be standing here in Cronulla speaking to you through the technology that we put together and you're in your living room or wherever you may be and we're communicating together gives you an indication that we are incredibly wealthy. But even though we may be wealthy, we need to realise that this should not be standing in our way with our relationship with Christ. This should not become a hindrance but become a way that we can bless the world around us. Just as for Smyrna, the poverty that they had, were facing because they were Christians, because they chose Christ, just because of that, they didn't let go of their faith in Christ just because we may have wealth that is beyond imagining for so many people around the world, we should never let go of our love and faith in Christ. We should learn how to bless those around us in amazing ways, in lots of different practical, real ways as a church. The third way that... Uh, that Christ talks into the church in Smyrna about their persecution is, is through slander. The beliefs in the church in, in Smyrna, they, they were accused of so many things. And, and we can kind of just really just start to let our brain go when we start hearing about how Christians were, were persecuted. And, and you know, they, they, because of that, and, and part of that persecution coming in is the way that people saw them and spoke about them. It's interesting to note this, that the early church, those who were around them thought that they were cannibals. Could you imagine sitting here in, in our, in our church, lovely church that we have, sitting in this space, and people out in the community thinking that you're cannibals, that you eat the flesh and the blood of your saviour? I'm talking about the Eucharist. I'm talking about the Lord's Supper. This is what people thought. They thought that this is what people were doing. They worshipped a God that they ate. Isn't that amazing? They were thinking they were cannibals, and so they had slander about that. They had people just, you know, putting heaps on them. But they also, they also had 
other reputations, in the fact that they didn't recognise the other Roman gods. And I love this, because they didn't recognise the other Roman gods. They were not only considered cannibals, but they were considered atheists, because they didn't recognise our gods. And yet we're a monotheistic faith. We believe in the one true God, the creator of all of the world, of all of the universe, the creator and sustainer. This is who we believe in. And we, we believe in Christ's coming, redeeming love within our, our world, that he, he brought us back into relationship with our God because of his death and resurrection. See, the thing is, even because of the slander, even because of what other people were saying, this church still went out, these are the people here, still went out and told others about Jesus Christ's love and grace, went out and told other people about their faith. They spread the good news. And slander is still happening in our world today. Slander against the church, slander against these things. And it's, it's, no, it's nowhere near as extreme as we may see um, back in the time of the church in Smyrna, but we still have um, reputation being thrown on us. Although I, I have to say this, the church is really good at destroying its own reputation through the, the actions that we do, through the inactions that we've done, um, the way we've treated people. We, we, all, we don't do it as well as we should. And we need to apologise and, and be, be better for those circumstances. But we need to get to the point where we as individuals are not concerned about the outside, those around us, opinions of who we are when we're following Christ. We actually need to let go of those opinions that other people are holding on us and actually realise that we are founded in the grace and love of Christ and that is what we hold on to. We don't hold on the outside of world's opinions of us we hold on to the faith that is found in Christ and Christ alone. The fourth and final area of persecution that um, the church in Smyrna found themselves in uh, was imprisonment. And here's a little interesting piece of information for you. It's, it's that Roman prisons were not actually set up to punish prisoners and they weren't set up to rehabilitate prisoners. So it's not like our prison system. It's not about punishment. It's not about rehabilitation. Um, basically, Roman prisoners' prisons were actually set up to hold prisoners until they went to court or until they were executed. So if you were basically sitting, and, and often that was exactly the same thing, went to court and then you were executed because you were found guilty. You know, Roman prisons were basically the waiting place for death. Roman prisons were, were never a nice place because you didn't really need to treat prisoners well because they were going to be executed anyway. Going to prison often meant that it was going to your death. So in face of this imprisonment um, and death, the believers, they didn't denounce their faith in Christ. They kept firm, steadfast in their faith. And this is actually embodied by, by, by the martyrdom of 
of Polycarp. And Polycarp is actually the bishop of Smyrna. Now, he, he was martyred when he was 86 years old. And instead of Polycarp um, begging for his life when he was in front of the Roman um, proconsul there, which is the head of the, the, the Roman area and, and like the judge in front, of, in front of them, instead of begging for his life, the Roman proconsul actually pleaded with Polycarp, this 86-year-old bishop, to just curse Christ so that he could be released. But Polycarp said and replied, 80 and 6 years have I served him, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my saviour? Just because he was in prison, just because he faced death, he did not let go of his faith in Christ. He did not denounce his faith in Christ. And this is important for us. We actually understand that we don't denounce our faith because we are facing hardship. This is important for us to realise what it means to actually hold on to the faith because of the persecution, because of the things that are facing us. Some of us will be facing much harder hardships. Some of us will be facing health issues. Some of us will be facing financial issues. Some of us will be facing housing issues. Some of us will be facing issues in relationships. We face hardships all through our life, but... We don't let go of Christ because of those hardships. We hang on. So the church at Smyrna here was praised because they kept on hanging on to Christ, even in the midst of all of these things that were in front of them, even in the midst of the persecutions they held on. So no matter what we're facing, uh, whether it be persecution, hardship, lockdown, even death, we are willing to remain firm in our foundations, willing to remain firm in our faith in Christ Jesus. But it's not let go of our faith just because life gets hard. Let us remain faithful in Christ in the message that is being said to the church at Smyrna that we too can stand strong in the face of this persecution and the problems we face. So as we stand firm in our faith in Christ, let us also be a witness to the world around us that says that our faith is unshakable. Our faith in Christ alone is the one that draws us through this time of hardship. So let us now come into a time of prayer I'm just going to lead you in a short prayer and then Annette is going to lead us into the rest of the prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just pray right now for your grace to be upon our lives. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you will guide us, you will lead us, you will sustain us in all of the things. Lord, if we are facing hardship be with us. Help us to stand firm in the face of the persecutions that we may suffer. Help us to stand firm in your love, your care, 
may we know the love and the grace of you, O God, upon our lives. And we ask this in your holy name. Amen.